welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. So this uh, past Saturday morning, I was awakened at 7 a.m. by a call from my parents. And I knew immediately that something must be wrong because, of course, my parents are nice people. They would not call me at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning unless it was a major emergency. And unfortunately, I was right. They told me this past Friday night, my youngest brother had a seizure in the middle of the night, uh, which is not something that he had ever had before. In fact, there had been no presenting symptoms of any kind for him. My sister-in-law, of course, called 911 when she wasn't able to snap him out of it. They took him uh, down to the emergency room, and after a CT scan found the cause for the seizure was a, according to the doctor, a large brain tumor. And so began my prep work for today's message on fasting from anxiety. Not that having a health emergency in my family puts me in some unique position to be speaking about anxiety. The truth is a lot of families, a lot of you are dealing with health issues, life-threatening emergencies. On top of that, of course, there are all the economic stresses of the day, the threat of job loss at any moment, the ever-lingering possibility of some new variant coming out, possibility of new shutdowns, uh, instable stock market, the very real threat of World War III, even the fact that tomorrow, Kids are going to be going to school without a mask for the first time in two years. I mean, all of these realities that we faced over the last few weeks would be more than enough to make us feel anxious. But it hasn't just been the past few weeks. It's been two years of this. Two years of threat, of uncertainty, of impending unknown danger. Two years of every news outlet declaring doom and despair with the chance of tragedy in the forecast. And after two years of this, well, it's no wonder that anxiety has become routine for us. It has become our default setting, our standard posture. The American Psychological Association reports the percentage of U.S. adults reporting symptoms of anxiety have more than quadrupled between August 2019 and August 2021. My guess is that the number is still rising. Anxiety is defined as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Which, you know, sounds about right. I get a call telling me that my brother has a life-threatening mass the size of a tennis ball in his head. Put on top of that, that this event took place on the night after his last day at work. You know, where he was getting his insurance from. Add to that the lack of information that I had, the fact that he was several hundred miles away, the impending danger of an invasive surgery... The fact that he has a wife, two young boys, yeah, worry, 
nervousness, unease regarding the uncertain outcome. Yeah, sounds, sounds about right. More than that, it actually sounds reasonable, even called for. I mean, if I had gotten that phone call, shrugged it off, gone about my day, yeah, people would likely question whether or not I really understood the situation. People might even question, you know, whether or not I cared that much about my brother and his family. It's like when we face imminent situations that potential uh, could pose some threat to us, to our loved ones. It's like anxiety sounds almost responsible, as if it's a component of our love and care for others uh, in our life. It's part of our love for them. That's why it's been so easy to justify anxiety over the last two years. I mean, in a lot of ways, anxiety seemed like the most responsible response to the pandemic and all the other related uncertainties in our country and in the world, especially in comparison to maybe some of the brazen bravado of others that, you know, were trying to completely write off this, any of this being a big deal at all. It's like the way, you know, gazelles that live out in, you know, the African savanna are. Don't know if you've ever noticed that, you know, you catch an Animal Planet documentary or something. Mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom, for those of you that remember that. My family and I actually had a chance to visit Kenya uh, a number of years ago, and we went on a safari, and we got to see gazelles up close. I don't know if you ever noticed. Gazelles always look stressed. Yeah, sure, they're eating and roaming around in the plains, all graceful-like, and but you look at a gazelle up close. You never get a relaxed vibe from a gazelle. They're always like, ears are always twitching. Muscles in their legs, you know, contract every once in a while. They never all eat together. They always have a lookout, you know, looking around. Why? Well, because just a few hundred yards away... In the grass, a cheetah is hiding there. Of course they're not going to relax, at least not for long. I mean, you relax when you're a gazelle and you get eaten. It's a way of life, which has kind of been our logic for the last couple of years, right? We know that there is danger hiding in the grass around us, or at least there could be. Either way, better be prepared or you're going to get eaten. And this reality that we've been living with for the last two years, it makes Paul's instruction here in these verses sound almost ridiculous in what it's suggesting. Do not be anxious about anything. I mean, anything? Like, anything? I mean, I could understand, you know, don't be anxious about the little things. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, that, that makes sense. But don't be anxious about anything. I mean, my brother could die. His kids could be fatherless. His wife a widow and stuck with a crippling medical bill for the rest of her life. Don't be anxious about 
anything? I mean, would you say this to a family? Hovered over an iPad as they FaceTime their goodbyes to their loved one who is dying of COVID? Would you say this to a Ukrainian family fleeing their home under artillery fire? Would you say this to someone sitting in prison facing potential execution, even though they had done nothing wrong? Don't be anxious about anything. Now, of course, Paul's answer here, I believe, would be yes. Because you see, that last example was Paul himself. Paul didn't write these Verses from a seaside villa with the Mediterranean breeze flowing through the, you know, the white, wispy curtains. Paul wrote this instruction, do not be anxious about anything from prison. Where at any moment the presiding authority could, you know, maybe release him or maybe execute him. I don't know, it depends on how they felt that day. If you read the general context of the letter of Philippians, uh, the imminent circumstances that Paul was facing were fairly dire. It would be easy for him to interpret the trend in his life as pointing towards unpleasant outcomes, a trend he was physically powerless to do anything about, to alter in any way. And yet he writes, do not be anxious about anything. How on earth are we supposed to do that? Now, on the flip side, as impossible as the idea might seem, it is really attractive, isn't it? I mean, just, just close your eyes for a second and imagine what it would feel like to have all your anxiety be gone. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, can you imagine coming home and not being anxious about all the stuff that didn't get done at work that day? Could you imagine laying down to sleep and not being anxious about your kid's future and the world that they're inheriting or not inheriting as the case may be? Could you imagine waking up, getting ready for the day and not being anxious about what kind of disaster you're going to face? And we've tried, right? I mean, we have tried to not think about this stuff, to not dwell on this, to not worry about things, to not worry about people. We've even along the way figured out some of our own, you know, strategies to help us, you know, strategies like, like not being the gazelle. You know, that picture I was telling you about the, the you know, from the Animal Planet special where, the gazelles are grazing, but never quite relaxed. They're always anxiously twitching and looking around and stuff like that. Because, you know, the cheetah out there. Well, you know who is always relaxed in those documentaries? The cheetah. The cheetah's sitting out there in the sun. It's right down. It's yawning. There's never-ending pictures of cheetahs yawning in the sun. And so we look at that and we figure that the solution to anxiety, simply be the cheetah. Become the apex predator. Become the strongest, richest, smartest, biggest retirement count, best medical insurance, highest educated, highest walls around our life kind of a person. Then, then we'll be the cheetah. And then 
then we can relax. And for a while, we can fool ourselves into thinking that we don't need to be anxious because we're strong enough. We are fast enough to overcome anything that life throws at us. The truth is, it's an illusion. I mean, one thing COVID showed us is that even with all our power and money and progress and advanced technological knowledge of nature and the body, one tiny little virus was all it took to lay us out. See, really, we're not, we're not the cheetah. After all of our modern evolution, in the end, we're still just gazelles with a cell phone. <laughs> Another strategy against anxiety that we try is the power of positivity. Just mantra that we say to ourselves, don't worry about a thing, because every little thing. I mean, it's a great song, isn't it? It's a catchy tune, kind of brings a smile to your face, sunshine to the sky. It's got a good vibe, and it can help a little, I guess, except in reality, it's empty. Because, you see, things don't always turn out all right. I mean, yeah, here we are at what we've decided is the end of the pandemic. And we can say to ourselves, see, that wasn't so bad, was it? Why were we so stressed about it? The answer is, well, because six million people have died from it. Yeah, maybe some of us here got out unscathed. But for a lot of families, COVID completely destroyed their world. Remember a couple months ago when we were saying that, you know, Russia's military buildup around the Ukraine was just hype and intimidation? No, it wasn't. Putin really invaded. This surgery that my brother was facing this past week, 30 years ago, my mom sat me down and told me she had a brain tumor. She was going to have a similar operation. She died from that operation. The apostle Paul himself, who tells us not to be anxious about anything, he was eventually executed by the emperor Nero. Just telling ourselves that everything will be all right, it doesn't work to keep anxiety at bay because we all know sometimes things don't turn out the way we want them to. So yes, the idea of not being anxious Really attractive thought. We would love, we would love to be able to live like that. But just pretending that we aren't vulnerable to the threats out there in the bushes, pretending they aren't real, it's not going to work. Which is why Paul's instructions here to not be anxious, it's only half of the commandment. Do not be anxious about anything. But, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's a popular saying that says, the universe abhors a vacuum. 
Well, removing anxiety in our life, it leaves a vacuum in our thoughts. Like, like, what would we think about if we didn't worry about things? Simply removing anxiety doesn't work because all of the factors that created the anxiety in the first place, they're, they're still there. The cheetah hasn't moved. If anything, it's getting hungrier. Which is why Paul doesn't stop with just saying, don't be anxious. In order to keep anxiety at bay, to be successful in our desire to fast from anxiety, we will have to fill the space in our mind, in our consciousness, that is normally dedicated to anxiety. We've got to fill it with something else. Not with the illusion that we're strong enough to face whatever comes. Not with the fantasy that everything is going to turn out the way we want it to. No, Paul's instruction here is to replace anxiety with prayer. With petitionary prayer, to be exact. Paul says we are to present our requests to God. In other words... Take the imminent situations that are creating these feelings of worry and nervousness and unease and present them to God, along with our desired outcomes. And right away, you can see how this is totally different. You can see how this could actually work. Because, see, you're not just trying not to think about things. You're not having to put people and places and situations Out of your mind, avoid them. You don't have to avoid the news. We don't have to avoid our phones. We don't have to avoid caring too much about people or issues. You you don't have to remain detached. Not care. Instead, in prayer, we can remain engaged and cognizant of the situation and circumstances all around us. We can care and care deeply because we have something that we can do With our care, we can communicate it to God. And so immediately after getting the phone call by my brother, I didn't have to try to put it out of my mind. I didn't have to try not to think about my brother. I didn't have to pretend that he wasn't really in a life-threatening situation. I was able to tell a group of friends, and together we lifted our request to God. And by the end of the day, there were people all over the world joining us and presenting our request to God concerning my brother. We prayed together on Tuesday during the six-hour surgery. Came out with flying colors. Thank you for your prayers. We prayed through the finances and the insurance situation that he faced. On Wednesday, we found out that his employer was going to delay the end of his employment so he could still be covered under their insurance. Thank you for praying for that. We prayed again on Thursday when the doctor said they had to go back in and remove some lingering tumor particles that they had missed, which, which again, thank you for praying. It came out wonderfully. He potentially could be sent home from the hospital today. We're continuing to pray through the pathology report and what treatment might follow. Far from avoiding the situation, we were fully engaged. We were able to carry the burden along with my brother and his wife and his kids. Nobody was left alone in their anxiety. All of us were together. We were connected to each other. And our all-powerful Heavenly Father, through Christ himself. And I know, I know we all have a ton of questions about prayer. How to do it. How to word our prayers just right. What to 
do with our hands when we pray? And there have been thousands and thousands of pages written about prayer and how to go about it. And it's all great stuff to think about that we won't get in today. For today, end our efforts to fast from anxiety. I think it's good for us just to embrace the simplicity of Paul's instruction to us to present our requests to God with thanksgiving. Because with all this stuff, the greatest mistake that we can make in prayer is to not to. The greatest mistake with prayer is not praying. And of course, well, at this point, the situation with my brother is turning out just as we requested. I find it fascinating in these verses that Paul's, Paul doesn't end this command to us to present our request with God with the phrase, and he will get you the outcome that you want. Paul has already lived long enough to know that it doesn't always happen that way. Later on in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul makes it clear that he has already lived through plenty of situations. He has already lived through good times and bad. Times when he got what he wanted and times when he did not. Which is, of course, the truth that we've all experienced. Even in the past couple of weeks, we have come together. We have presented requests to God. We have not received what we prayed for. And that's really frustrating. It's really frustrating because somewhere inside of me, I still want to believe, I still want to think that the best solution for my anxiety is for me to know that I am always going to get what I want in every situation. That, I think, That, I think, will help me not be anxious that much. If I can just know for sure. Like, if only I could control outcomes. Secure my desired outcomes for myself, for those that I love. Then, you're right. I'd never be anxious again. And we treat prayer that way sometimes, don't we? We think that prayer is God's gift to us. To be able to control our circumstances, to avoid unpleasantries, to bend the universe to our will. But if that were the case, well then really prayer would be just like anxiety. You see, we would still be the center of our focus. Us Our experience, our desires would still be our obsession. Prayer would just be another version of the prison of me. That's not the solution that Paul presents here. The solution to anxiety is not always getting what we want. To always have outcomes under our control. For us to always understand the whys of what's happening. Solution to anxiety, according to Paul, 
is to be in communion with the Father, where the peace of God reigns and guards our hearts, guards our minds in the reality of Christ and his love for us, even in the things that we don't understand. The peace of God transcends all understanding. It pierces through our logic and our tendency to try to fix things, which are really just another version of us trying to control. The peace of God places us in the presence of a God who loves us. See, ultimately, freedom is found in the confidence that God cares about us and is always at work establishing his peace, his shalom, and that he is powerful enough to redeem all things, make every situation work in our favor, even those outcomes we most dread, even death. No matter what happens, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can keep God from securing what he wants for his children. See, ultimately, it's not about being the cheetah or even convincing ourselves that the cheetah isn't real or even in believing that we have the silver bullet that can cut any cheetah down. Freedom from anxiety has absolutely nothing to do with the cheetah. Freedom from anxiety comes from being connected to the God that is remaking the world to where one day the cheetah and the gazelle lay down next to each other. They chomp on the same grass together. And as Isaiah tells us, a little child will lead them. So here's how we want to end tonight. Uh, worship team is going to kind of come, us, come up and lead us in a closing song. Uh, we're going to have a couple stations back here on the edge. Uh, Lorraine and Sean are going to be over here. Myself and Angela, I think, are over here. And uh, just as we close, we just want to give you a chance. Maybe you have something that you're anxious about. Maybe there's a situation in your life or a situation in the life of somebody that you love and you just want a chance to present your request to God. Uh, we'll be here on the sides just ready and willing to pray with you if you so desire. If not, we'll be closing with worship and I will go on. So I'm going to pray and then after that, you'll lead us in. So God, we thank you for the fact that we can trust you. Thank you for your goodness and the fact that you care about us and that you are always working in our favor. God, we thank you for your peace that comes and reigns in our hearts and in our minds, that reigns in our fellowship when we turn to you. And so we turn to you now and present our requests for 
the desired outcomes that we want. And we leave them at your feet and trust you in whatever happens.